All right, as we mentioned, you, know, you can still see the, a little bit of the Easter set is still with us. Part of the reason we decided to stay with it is because this little four-piece mini-series that we're going to be doing for the next four weeks has to do with the cross. It's connected to choices that are made around the cross. We're, we're trying to glean things about, again, how we construct our lives. This morning, for example, we're going to look at the choice that Jesus made to suffer for us. We're also going to look at the choice that a man made that really wasn't much of a choice at all when he was compelled um, to uh, assist Jesus in carrying that cross. And then we're going to try to think about how many of us have to make choices about how we're going to deal with some of the inevitable hurt of life. And how do we, how do we take this example that we've been given in Jesus and apply it to uh, a life um, like ours that we live that has a lot of ups and downs in it. So this is where we're going. Now, we're going to start, you know, sort of just by reflecting on what choice actually means. You know, I was reading a, a book by uh, Stephen Covey. It was not the, he, he's famous in sort of the, the business circles for a book that was called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I was thinking about this whole idea of choice. In his book, The Eighth Habit, which is kind of a companion piece, he talked about uh, this, this power of choice. And he, he wrote that in his mind, the capacity to choose was second only to maybe the gift of life itself. That it really is part of something that makes us uniquely human. And he talked about, in, in just to you know, sort of compartmentalize this in a, in a way that we could put a handle on it, he talked about how there's a difference between stimulus and response, and how the choice that we make between what either happens to us or around us, something that affects us, the stimulus, and the way that we choose to respond to it, there's a choice in the middle. And that choice is ours. And one of the things he said was that, that caught me was that he says that is actually both um, liberating because what it reminds us of is that, you know what, we don't have to be bound up and defined by choices and by things that happen to us, but that we actually have the capacity to choose how we respond. We couldn't control what happened. We don't control that necessarily, but what we can take ownership for is our own, our own responses. Hence, we call that responsibility. And following Jesus is a lot to do with being one who chooses to respond regardless of what happens to us or around us. And yet at the same time, he said, not only is that liberating, because it kind of frees us to see things, instead of seeing ourselves as victims, uh, we, we, we can begin to challenge ourselves. Well, okay, what am I going to do about this? How am I supposed to, how does the Lord want me to position myself to respond to this? But he says, not only is it liberating, he says, but it's also a little bit terrifying. Because... Now we actually have to, to think about what we're doing and saying and how we're choosing to act upon what has occurred in our lives. And we can't use the escape hatch of blaming somebody else. We actually have to become accountable for how we choose to respond. Now, okay, having said that, then he's talking about the power of choice, and that's what we're going to talk about. Having said that, I certainly don't want to suggest in any way that it's always easy to get past things. In fact, one of the things I'm really concerned about not doing it's just kind of throwing pat answers out like, you know, you know, just toughen up or, you know, what's, you know, don't let that get to you and, you know, trust God. And, and, and I, I believe a lot of those things can be true and valuable and they're, you know, pithy little maxims that we might toss out every now and then. But the truth is, what, you know, the fact is a lot of life um, is tough. And it's one thing to say, well, we must choose our attitudes and, 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 we, and we maybe even believe that and we can actually feel that we know we should do that. 
And, and we're, we realize and we've agreed that ultimately what we can choose to control is how we respond to things. And yet the reality is that a lot of things happen that are very difficult in life. I mean, I am a lover of life. I, am, I love being, being alive. Uh, I love the gift of life. I'm so thankful God allowed me to be born. And I, I love, and it's really easy to be thankful on a beautiful day like today, or it's sunny out, and it just feels great. And yet, and the, and the fact is, I'm so thankful for the gift of life that I've been given by the Lord, and the promise of life beyond this life. And yet, at the same time, I realize that along the way, with all the joy and the laughter, and there's a lot of that, there's also a lot of pain and tough things that happen. The hurts of life, the pain of life, the disappointment of life, the loss of life. These are things that you and I have to know, learn how to negotiate. How do we do that? How do we do that in a way that is going to cause us to come through things even better than when we went into them? Now, this is a part of what we're talking about, because I think there's a lot of unfair things that happen. I mean, I've, because I'm connected to a lot of different stories of people's lives, you know, what happens when things happen that we weren't expecting or anticipating? You know, something unfair. Um, I mean, we lose a job that we just assumed we had. Or maybe we lose something that um, someone we care deeply about leaves us, dies. Or maybe we, a relationship that we had invested so much into is crumbling. Or perhaps our own, we're struggling with our own sense of self-worth. That there are genuinely things that are going on in our lives that are causing us to have a bit of a crisis around those points. And I was thinking about the different things. You know, maybe there are things that occur in our health that came upon us like a storm, unexpected. We were just kind of moving through life, and all of a sudden we're hit with something that, that stops us in our tracks and causes us to, some, in some ways, get stuck in a place that we don't want to be, but we're stuck there. And we feel actually confined by that situation. We feel... We feel hindered, we feel worn down, heavy, heavy, and it's hard. It's hard sledding, it's hard to move forward. It's hard to stay optimistic and faith-filled. It's hard to trust God. It's hard to believe in people sometimes. You know, these places, so yeah, it's one thing to say we get to choose, and, you know, and I am a big believer in choosing uh, to trust the Lord, I am. I'm an advocate of that, I really am. I, I, I challenge myself when I'm starting to feel sorry for myself. To, to not stay in that place. You know, we can visit it, but don't stay there because it's not good to just start walking around defeated and angry. And life is too short to live it bitter. It's too much of a blessing. And there are people who need us to have joy in us and to be the blessing we were meant to be. And a lot of times things happen in our lives that would define us and lock us up and so I want to talk about choice. I want to talk about the example we've been given in Jesus. Now, to get to the person I want to talk about, we have to first look at Jesus and what he went through. Because the story of the man that I want to refer to is actually connected to what Jesus, what happened to Jesus. So in a way, it's actually connected to where we've been. Because if you recall, last week in our Easter presentation, we talked about how Jesus was in prison before his death. And one of the, the things we looked at in a creative fashion was this, uh, this character of Barabbas, who we know is in the Bible, this notorious thief and murderer who was released in, and um, was you know, ready to be sentenced to death, and he got released, and Jesus is crucified. And also the good thief, we talked about that. Well, in, listen, a lot of times we, we rush past some of the details of what happened to our Lord. And again, thinking about the power of choice, I mean, Jesus chose to walk down a very difficult road for you and me. Uh, we read about this in Matthew 27. 
And this is the account that's going to take us to this exchange that occurs that I want to refer to. But I want to look at what Jesus went through and revisit it just briefly. So let's look at Matthew 27, verse 27. It says, then the soldiers of the governor, that would be Pilate, took Jesus into the praetorium. Now the praetorium, when you read the Bible, you know, there's stuff that comes up and we don't always necessarily have a, a good understanding of what it's being referred to. But the bottom line is this. After Jesus was condemned, they essentially took him and they led him to the Roman garrison. That was the praetorium. It had a large outdoor uh, commons. There was a, a, a gathering. We know that in a, gar a typical Roman garrison, there were about 200 to 600 soldiers that were stationed there. Not all of them would have necessarily been there. But um, there was a large contingent of them. And the Bible makes it pretty clear that all of them decided to come out to see this quasi-celebrity, uh, this controversial figure who was supposedly the king of the Jews, who was now sentenced to death. And they, they decided to have some fun with him. And uh, we're given a very vivid description of how Jesus was treated. Um, the beautiful one, uh, the gentle teacher with the fire in his eyes, and the love of God that he proclaimed so much, and the blessing he gave so much, and how humanity gave him back its worst. And certainly this whole exchange that occurs here is an example of that. It's human beings at their worst. And we see that it says that, that the, Romans, the Roman soldiers, when they got him, it says they brought him into this, this open hall, this praetorium, and they, they, the, whole, the whole group of these men gathered around Jesus. They were going to have some entertainment. And it says they stripped him down. They stripped him down. Now, most of us think that they, most people that I read think that he, they at least kept the loincloth on him. But it's quite possible he was stripped naked. To be stripped down, and then it, they put a, they took, almost, they took off his garments and they threw on him a cloak. It was a robe. It was no, probably a sun-bleached Roman red cloak. Here, every king needs a, you're the king of the Jews. You need a robe. Here, take this. They threw it on him. Now, Jesus got to remember, he's already been beaten. So his face is swelling. He's standing there. He's dehydrated. He's tired in his humanity. He's just depleted. He's been through a significant amount already physically. The Romans, though, are not done. They, they decided to have some fun with him. They say, you need a robe. And, and then they said, hey, every king needs a, a crown. And they looked around, and one of them, we can imagine seeing on the side there, must have spotted because there's a thorn, there was a thorn bush over there. That somebody must have wrapped their hand up in some way, walked over there and said, we're going to make a crown for this guy. And they, they begin to fashion it. It was very sharp, those thorns. And they fashioned, fashioned, you can see them today still in Palestine, and they fashioned it, and somebody stuck it on his head. Every king needs a crown, and you can just feel it. You can see the blood come, beginning to come down his head as Jesus stands there with his robe. Where, and every king needs a scepter. And someone said, oh, grab this, and they grabbed a reed. They stuck it in his hand. And that picture of Jesus, the mock, being mocked, being broken, being brutalized, treated this way. Blood down his face, beaten, wearing a robe after being stripped down, ridiculed, hail king of the Jews. People drinking while they're making fun of him. You could see the picture, what men do in this kind of environment. He was free to rough up, to humiliate, to scorn, to mock him. And they said, and then look what it says. It says that they said in verse 29, when they had twisted, twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee, mocking him. Oh, hail, oh, great king, king of the Jews. You're so special. They were mocking him. And it says here that then they spat on him after they spit on him. And 
They spit on him. They hit him some more. And then they let him, they, they put his own, they put his clothes back on him and they, they led him away to be crucified. And what the Romans would typically do is, a lot of the pictures that we might see of Jesus, think of Jesus, oh, he's carrying a cross, but they wouldn't have had you carry the whole cross. They would have only had you carry the cross beam. You were going to carry the very thing that you were going to die on. And Rome was going to take you through the streets and make a spectacle of you. In Jesus' case, they really wanted to make a spectacle of him because, after all, I mean, they were being given permission. And, and you got to understand, we're told a lot of other things happen here as well. Look at verse 32, because this is what I wanted to get to, actually, is that somebody gets caught in this whole movement. Someone who had not been, if you would have asked him, had, had not been in any way thinking that this day was going to turn out the way that it did. You know, not all days are the same. And a lot of times we'll start, we, have, we really don't always know. Simon that says here that now as they came out, they found a man who lived in Cyrene, North Africa, who had obviously come to Jerusalem with many, many people from all over the, the, the known sort of ancient world there. Many Jews had made their way back to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. He had made his way back. It would have been a costly trip. In some cases, a once-in-a-lifetime trip. He had come to celebrate. There's no indication whatsoever. Uh, tradition is very clear about this, but also in the scriptures, there's nothing to suggest that he even knew who Jesus was. He got caught up in something that he had no idea was going to be even going on. Look what it says here. It says, that they came out, they found a man from Cyrene whose name was Simon. And they, so we call him Simon the Cyrene. And they compelled him to bear the cross. Now, that's what we're given. We're giving, given a broad, you know, swath. Now, I want to, I looking through our mind's eye, I would like to color in that for a moment and talk about it. Simon had come. He made this trip. He, imagine he's hearing, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you can still feel it. You can feel the streets of Jerusalem in the old city. And Jesus was being pushed through the streets. He was bloodied. He was weakened. He was, he was a mess. Visage marred. And the Bible says you couldn't recognize him. It, it, and, and this, it, I imagine Simon being a little bit distance away. Jesus and the two other criminals are being led through the streets. By the way, there would have been, if this was a typical situation, there would have been four Romans around each person. And the Romans would have formed a square, the soldiers. And typically, there were two in the front and two in the back. And the, the one being crucified would be carrying something, usually his own cross. In Jesus' case, he was clearly faltering. Simon, here's the commotion. Because one of the things that would have been happening, we know from the other accounts, that there were people were in a frenzy. There were people yelling, jeering. They were, they were angry with him. There were people saying, this is what you get for claiming to be what you are not. He's hearing, there are other people wailing like they do in the East especially, just wailing, pain at what they're seeing. Jesus, how could this happen? Just a week ago, he had come through these streets. People were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, the king. And, and, there was, there was, and now everybody's gathered, and they're forming their lines on the streets. There's crowds. There's emotion. There's passion. There's anger. There's wailing. Simon hears this. He, I see him trying to find out what is going on. He's looking. He's trying to see it. What is this? all about who is this oh my goodness I see there's a man but he's a mess and he's looking at him and he can't figure out but probably in his mind he's going well oh boy you don't mess with Rome probably some thief maybe one of those zealots yeah those revolutionaries Rome is teaching a lesson what did he do what did he do to deserve that he's clearly um, 
oh, it's just awful. And he's looking closely at him, and then he says, maybe I'll, because typically, you know what else would, that would happen? Rome would usually put, a, 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 they would have a piece of wood, they would put the crime that the man was being accused of on a piece of wood. And that, would, that piece would be typically placed either around their neck, the neck of the victim, or it would be carried by one of the Roman, uh, Roman guards. So everybody could see, this is what happens when people do this. And they wanted everybody to know it. So I get the impression that Simon, now clearly he's in there trying to see what's going on. He's looking, he's watching, he's seeing this, and he's trying to see what is this man, this man accused of. And he's looking at it, it says somebody, says, Jesus. And as he gets closer to him, Jesus is near him. And it says, Jesus, King of the, King of the Jews. What kind of, what is that? King of Jesus, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. That's what it said. And as he's looking, maybe quite possibly processing in his mind, what are they talking about? What is this? What's happening here? All of a sudden, Jesus falters probably right in front of him, and the crowd melts away, and there's just Simon there. And the Roman says, you, carry it. Now, Rome had a law, by the way. It, the Jew, Jews see at it. The Roman oppressors, would have, they had them pay taxes. That was one thing. But they had another law. If a Roman soldier needed something done, he could take his spear, and he could tap anyone he wanted, no matter what they were doing, with the blunt end of it. And they would have to, by law, by fear of death, compelled to stop whatever you were doing and go do what you were being told to do. And you didn't really have a choice in it. I mean, you did. So whether or not the Romans said, because Jesus being prodded along, pushed along, but physically he, he can't do it. He's faltering. He can't carry it. He's not making it. He's dragging it. He's, he's, he's got nothing in it. He's just dying. And then he's, they say to him, you, you carry it. And, then, and it's like, Simon, that, and you got to understand, he didn't come to Jerusalem to carry a, a dying man's cross. He just got caught up in it, Simon from Cyrene. I'm just here for Passover. I don't, want to, I don't even know what's going. Carry the thing. And, it's, and we're told that he carried, he, he got next to Jesus, and he carried it all the way through the streets up to the place that they called, the Jerusalemites called Golgotha, because it was a hill that looked like a skull. And as he dragged that thing, and he heard all the things that were being said, and he walked with him up there. He got to the top of that hill, and, it, and it, it had bones on it, and it smelled, it smelled like death. And so that's the picture. Now I want to share, it got me thinking about this whole idea of choice in life. So let me try to put it out the way I got, uh, the way I wrestled with it, and, and throw it at maybe where we, where we can sort of put our handles on it. Let me suggest something here. I want to suggest that there are times in life where even though we have a choice, the reality is it's not much of a choice at all. The fact is that sometimes in life, we really don't have a choice. Now, we do, okay, we have a choice, but we really don't. It's like, Simon, he had a choice. <laughs> you, could, you carry that cross, you get down there and you help him carry it. 
Well, I really don't want to do that. I was just here on vacation. You don't even say anything. You just do it because you have to do it. You don't have a choice. Yeah, you have one. But what's the alternative? Death. And so I got to do it. And I don't want to do it. My clothes, I don't want to do it. It stinks. It's bloody. It's ugly. This is not my plans. My plans were due to something totally different. And this is interrupting my plans. This is not what I wanted to do at all. Why do I have to do this? I got to carry this thing and be in the middle of this thing. I didn't even want anything to do with it at all. It wasn't my choice. It wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't anything that I asked for. Why me, God? Why me? Why do I have to do this? Why? You see, these are the things. I mean, and I, I was, somehow this is what I felt. It reminds me that sometimes we get stuck in a reality not of our own making. That is the very place some of us have found ourselves in. There are things that have happened to us that we didn't choose them. They chose us. And we got to do them. We got to deal with it. We got to face it. We got to live with it. Listen, listen. We have to carry it. And it's hard. And it's hard. And it's messy. And it smells like death. And we got to carry it. And I just, I just, that picture of, of, um, the weight of things. I thought, Lord, sometimes in life, we get that weight we're carrying. It's like we're carrying that beam. I'm carrying it. That's me carrying that thing. And it's hard. And I thought, okay, but, but listen to this. Not only, though, are there times where we have to live with something that really is no choice at all, but listen to this. And this is what awakened my spirit. I felt like the Lord said, I felt like the Lord said this to me, yeah, okay, but listen. And here's the second thought. It's true. There are some times that are really tough. But we need to remember that sometimes in our most difficult places or seasons or situations, these places also lead us to places of profound opportunity. That they create the possibilities. We, wouldn't, we didn't want it. We were, we, it wasn't what we would have wanted. We never volunteered for it. It happened to us. Okay, it happened. Once it happens, what do we do? What I'm going to suggest is that, that sometimes in, our, in the things that we despise actually come the possibility of, of something of an amazing breakthrough in our lives. That, that in, the, in, the pl- in the difficult place when, the way, when we are being compelled to carry something we don't want to carry, nor had we asked to carry, nor did we volunteer, that in the place of that, we are thrown next to someone who radically alters our life, that there is life in the burden. You know one of the amazing things about this story? It's not just this account. If you read Mark 15, 21... One of the things you'll notice is that Simon had two sons. And these two sons are actually named. It's very rare that that happens in the scriptures. Their names are Rufus and Alexander. We know that the reason they were named is because these two sons become prominent figures in the early church. You think about it for a moment. Simon had his life altered in an unfair (laughs) expectation 
that threw him in with Jesus. I don't know. Maybe somewhere along the way, as he's walking, he whispers, Jesus and him whisper to he whispers to him. Maybe it's just looking in the eyes of Jesus and being able to do it. Uh, it says something's different about this man. Maybe he was just listening to all the things that people were saying as he's carrying this thing with him. And or maybe it was something that occurred after the cross or at the scene of the cross or when he when he rose. But something happened that radically altered Simon's life to such a degree that he ends up having his two sons become followers. They become followers of Jesus. And think about it. I, it's no question. You know what? I bet you that at the end of his life, Simon, as he reflects backwards on his life, as the years pass away and after the resurrection, I wonder if after looking back on his life, on that once despised moment of his life, that he doesn't look back on it and see it as the most significant, meaningful moment of his life when everything changed for me, <laughs> when I was compelled to do something that I had no desire to do, but it taught me something about the love of God. It changed my life radically forever. It sent me in a direction that has now sent down blessing down the generations. I learned something in the burden. And I'm, I, I, there is something for some of us there. You think about it. There is something about the idea of being brought in it, something about learning how to, you know, certain things happen when we do things, when we go through difficult things God's way. And that means it's going to be wrestling. We're not always going to like it. No, no, I'm going to tell you this. I do not want to suffer. I just say it. I really don't. I have no desire. I don't want, I want, I much prefer to say, Lord, bless me. Oh, come on. Everybody does, right? We all do. I love blessing. I don't like suffering. I love blessing, not suffering. But life has times where it's really tough and where it doesn't work the way we wanted it to work. And in those times, if we do it right, through the tears and the anger, we can know God and know him in a deep, deep way. And more than that even, we can really grow. I mean really grow. Grow to know God's love. Grow to learn how to be strong in him. How to know his grace as our friend. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. It, it's a time where these, it is profoundly, there are profound opportunities in the difficult places of life if we will turn towards the Lord. There, you know, here's what I said. The last thing I'll say about this is that I found myself going, Lord, I, I think you're telling me how we're supposed to walk through this because I, I think that the, the example of Jesus is meant to inspire us. Listen, it's meant, and we'll call this our third piece, it's meant to inspire us. The choice that Jesus made is meant to inspire us to live courageously and, and help us to negotiate the difficult spots of life that want to define us. And I really mean that because, you know, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, but he did, he did it for you and me. He suffered for us. But I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking, you know what, Lord? Because, you know, you know this. This is true. I thought, you know, there was something I was going through this week, and I was thinking, Lord, I feel alone. And I have people in my life. I have a great wife, and I am loved. But it was, it was just something I was thinking about. I was going, I feel alone. I think, I think there are times where some of us feel alone. It's like, I got people, but I'm alone. And I thought, and I thought, Jesus was so alone. He had, he was so alone. And he was caring, and even physically, he couldn't do it. He is suffering alone, abandoned. He knows, Lord, the Lord knows what it is 
to carry something alone. And he knows what it's like to be abandoned. And you know what? He shows us how to do it. He shows us how to do it. He says, follow me. Follow me. Learn my ways. My yoke is easy. My burden is... This thing, the one who carried our burden says, follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Walk with me. Live with me. Move with me. Travel with me through life. Watch me. Watch how I do it. And learn to do it. And life will come. Even in the awful places, life will come. Because we live in a broken world. And it smacks times with unfairness. It's not, and sometimes things rock us. And our equilibrium's off. And our past haunts us. And people don't always treat us the way we should feel we should be treated. And people disappoint us at times. And we disappoint ourselves at times. But you know what? God wants to teach us how to prevail. How to endure. How to move forward. This is, and you know what else I realized? That not only does he understand how we feel. Ha. Huh, but... And this one, I just found myself going, wow, Lord. You also show us something else in this moment. Just think about this. Jesus physically, he is, as a human being, which he humbled himself, became obedient, took the form of a servant, Philippians says. And, and, and he so entered into our experience that he physically couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He falters. He can't carry it. That he couldn't carry it, he the, the cross me now spiritually, yeah, but phys, he couldn't his physical limitations. So he's so weakened. Somebody had to come. Doesn't that model something for us? Something who are so strong we can never be helped. All right, we're gonna get through this as our own thing. But if the Lord of Glory allowed Himself, they you carry that for Him. Simon comes and he 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 carries it with him. Jesus, he went to the cross, but someone helped him carry it physically up there. And I'm reminded of the value of others in our life and what a gift God wants to give us. That's the value of living in community and not being isolated. It's a reminder that some things are not, listen, are not meant to be carried alone. The Lord wants to teach us how to be vulnerable enough to gain strength from other people. And to learn, you know what? So I'm looking at this from all angles. Just stay with me on this. And as a result of this, I'm going to say the Lord has something for us in this right now. That there are some of us that God wants to speak life to us, encourage to us, and teach us to endure things. And not to quit on things. Not to be, listen, and not to be defined by things that can, if we embrace them, they'll make us bitter. I meet people who are bitter. And it's hard to be around them. I meet people who are angry. they got a low-grade anger because they're angry. Jesus doesn't tell us to deny the bad things that happen, but he wants to give us the ability to live above them and to get, listen, not bitter, better, to not be bound, but to get free, to learn how to not be angry, but how to love better and not simply drop into patterns that we've learned from our past say, well, that's the way it was before. I guess that's the way it's going to be with me. No, 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 no. Not with God. New things, new beginnings, new ways. Lord, I, I pray that as we are here in this house on this beautiful day, it's warm, Lord. Our little air conditioning unit can't keep up. But we are here before you.
And um, our hearts are warmed, I pray. I do. I pray that you would just uh, speak to us, Lord, about what it means to face things in life, Lord, because we all have tough things that come, Lord. And if they haven't come, if we're not in it right now, we're going to get stuff. That's just the way it is. But you want to teach us, Lord, how to be a people who prevail. You gave us a great example. You showed us what real love looks like. It's sacrificial. It's courageous. It endures. It's willing to accept help. It's faithful. Unto the end. And you who were ever faithful, I pray that you would teach us who would follow you to be faithful people. Help us, God, in our weakness to be strong. Teach us, Lord, how to learn to draw off of your strength and your grace and how to grow in the version of who we are that you've created us to be. I just pray, Master Potter, keep molding and making us. Do new things. Work out the parts, Lord, that are, that are just holding us back and help us to move forward with the things that you want to do. You're the God of life and the God of hope. When we walk with you, we never need to be defined by, by the, the deep, dark, deathly things of life. We want to live as people who can not only live in your blessing, but be the blessing. And I pray that we, that blessing would show up in our relationships when we're on our jobs. I pray that it'll show up in our families. I pray that it'll show up in the way that we love the people you've given us to love well and faithfully. Help us to serve even as you served. I just pray for that, Lord. And I pray over this closing time as we close the service out, as we, as we think about uh, this song that really speaks so profoundly to everything we've shared. And also as we engage this time of giving, we pray that you'd be honored in it as many of us seek to honor you in this community. May you be lifted high in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.